regular season with us. New cards! All right, welcome to the second episode of Spoiler Season, uh, Kaladesh, where we are going to be looking at the 25 or 26 cards that were spoiled at PAX. It's a lot. So uh, this podcast will be a little longer than what uh, we expect them to be going forward because of the huge number of cards that we're going to be reviewing. Um, We are going to lump them. So first we're going to look at the kind of vanilla do-nothing cards, then we're going to look at Fabricate, cards with that new mechanic. Then we're going to look at Vehicles, and we'll follow that up with... Their pilots. Their pilots, of course. Uh, and last will be Energy. And then after we finish the three major mechanics that were introduced, then we're going to go and do some of the good cards in Draft, and we'll do the good cards in Constructed, and the last card uh, we'll cover will be the new Planeswalker, Sahili Rai. So let's get started. Let's get started. So we have a set of three vanilla creatures. Uh, we have Curio Vendor. Blue one for two one. Does nothing, but the art sure does look a lot like uh, Reflector Mage. Yeah. Luckily, nowhere near the power level. We don't need another Reflector Mage in standard at all. True. All right. Our next card is Terror of the Fairgrounds. Red three for five two. Gremlin. Gremlin. Yep. Our classic new... Uh, not new, but red. Yeah, new. New characteristic race for red uh, for Kaladesh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we've seen a lot of versions of this card in previous sets. You know, they're not great. They die to everything. They're fine if you're really craving to fill in some kind of slot and you're aggressive and want to be attacking, but they're they're never great. Yep. And the last one is... Tasseled Dromedary. Uh, this is white for zero four. So this is just sort of your classic wall. So if you need that, you're sort of a slower white blue controlling deck and limited. Yeah, it's yeah. there for you. You know, this is a way you can get into the mid or late game. Now yeah, that's about it. So those are our three vanilla creatures. Um, nothing super exciting there. Uh, Gremlin is a nice addition, um, and you know it's interesting. You can go back and watch the PAX panel on why they. Uh, went with gremlins instead of goblins or other creature types. So moving into Fabricate. Our first new mechanic. First new mechanic. And this is, to me, the least exciting of the mechanics. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so let's let's read Propeller Pioneer, which is white 3 for a 2-1. Flying. With Fabricate 1. So Fabricate is when this creature enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on it, or... Create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. And to be clear, if this was Fabricate 2, for example, you would it would read as, when this creature enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 counters on it, or create two 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature tokens. So you can't split it. You can't go, oh, I'll take one counter and one body. Right. Important. So uh, how good do you think this card is? Uh, well, it's nice that it's flying, particularly in Limited. This could be pay four for a 3-2 flying. Um, but as we know in Limited, sometimes it's just worth having bodies. So four for a 2-1 flyer and another body on the ground. I, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I I like it. Um, Eldrazi Sky Spawner was super good, right? Um, and of course, that was because it was a 2-1 flyer that also created a 1-1 body. Right. Um, and we've seen a couple other versions of this card. We had a, I forget what it was, but I think we had a three mana, a white two, 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 that when it ETB, you got a one, one spirit. Um, and again, the, the flying component is very helpful there. Sure. Um, but yeah, I like this. I think that in the early game, if you need, you know, 
another body <laughs> or if you need a, a chump blocker later on then you can do that or you know it's an artifact creature so maybe that's relevant um, but I feel like this guy I might might be tempted to cast as a 3-2 flyer more yeah. often than not um, it's just it's a pretty good rate uh, again 4 mana for a 3-2 flyer isn't great 4 mana for a 2-1 flyer with a 1-1 body isn't great but the flexibility to choose between those and what's better in your situation, that's helpful. Absolutely. And flexibility adds a lot to magic cards, uh, as we've seen um, via commands and... Uh, right, like Dramoka's yeah, command. Yeah, Dramoka's command. So good. So good. Our next Fabricate card is Glint Sleeve Artisan. Fabricate 1. Again, uh, this is a white 2-2-2 two, two, two with Fabricate 1. Yeah, so uh, could be three for three three, which is just a very solid body. Um, or again, you can spread that out into a two two and a one one. Yeah, I think it'll really depend on what kind of strategy you're in. Uh, to me, I see this as a if I'm playing like a green white mid rangey creature deck, three for three three is great. Absolutely, I would happily play that card. Yeah, um, often like you'd have to go into, uh, to get a 3-3 three, three for 3, like things like Citadel Castellan, or Castellion, which was a white-green one for a 3-3, three, three, mm. and it had some other effects too, but bodies that solid uh, in just uh, white is, is nice. Yeah. Really nice. Our next card is the Cultivator of Blades. So this is an elf, so I'll let you read this one. <laughs> uh, so this is green-green 3 for 1-1. One, one. Great card. Sounds good so far. Um, hey, uh, Zagana, Prime Speaker Zagana was blue, blue, green, green, two for a 1 1, and she was very good. All right, so let's see if uh, these abilities measure up. We have Fabricate 2, and whenever Cultivator of Blades attacks, you may have other attacking creatures get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is Cultivator of Blades' power. This is a, an interesting ability with the Fabricate on it because it you're sort of pulled in two directions. You want Cultivator of Blades to be big so that you're pumping your team for a lot, but at the same time, you want a wide board so that you're swinging with lots of big things. Yeah, I really like this card. Again, because the flexibility is great, right? So if I already have a bunch of creatures and I'm looking to just kind of close out the game and I want to swing in for a bunch of damage next turn, then I'm going to put counters on this guy because having uh, plus two, plus two, and being able to swing and give my team plus three, plus three is great. However, maybe I have some pump spells in hand and maybe I'm, you know, I can't actually do an alpha strike unless I have more creatures. So you get to pay, play this uh, elf, get two one ones, and then the next turn you get to pump up the elf swing, and now your two one ones also are going to get that pump, right? So it's flexible, which I like. Um, and both directions are good. Both directions have potential as long as you are uh, you have the right cards, you have the right board. Um, but in different scenarios, either side of that coin is fine. Right. Uh, what do you think about the five cost? It's a lot. Yeah. I'm uh, not gonna lie, it's a lot. Uh, five mana. You're paying either five mana for a three three, or mm -hmm. five mana for three one ones. Right. With the add-on of when this thing swings, it gets to pump stuff. Now, if they kill this pre-combat, it's really bad. Super bad. Uh, I mean, even if you chose the two counters, you paid five mana for two one ones. Yeah. That's an awful rate. Awful yeah. rate. So I, I, not in love with it. 
not yeah. in love with it. But I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be like a, a, a fine card um, if you are, are looking to be the beatdown in, uh, in your limited format. Yep. Up next, we have the vehicles. So uh, vehicles are artifacts until they're creatures. <laughs> <laughs> until they're not. <laughs> well, they, they stay artifacts. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> um, right. So vehicles are artifacts until they are crewed by some creatures. Super flavorful, uh, very intuitive um, design here. So we'll just start with an example. Sky Skiff is two for a two-three flying crew one, which means tap any number of creatures you control with total power one or more. The vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. So this, I, I want to point out, I think this is interesting, that for the first time, you can have flying on a non-creature. You're just going to have this little flying artifact that is uh, just, just floating. Floating there, doing just nothing. floating, yeah, hanging out. I, uh, yeah, I, so I, I'm torn. I like the implementation of vehicles that they went with. Uh, apparently, vehicles. Maro said that vehicles went through more iterations than any mechanic he'd ever done in the history of the game. Wow! So they tried a lot of different ways to get this right, and without seeing the other options they tried, this looks good. This looks fine. My kind of one, eh, my one complaint, and it's not a big one, but vehicle is a word that to me connotates high tech connotates sure. uh you know modern engines day. and modern day things and to me it seems like um they've they've talked before about trying to make sure they don't stray too far from fantasy and get towards sci-fi um despite what some people would would like them to do and meriden they've said is about as close to sci-fi as they'll get to me vehicle is one step too far towards sci-fi i think that um I, not, I'm not opposed to the idea of having vehicles. I'm opposed to the idea of, I guess, calling them vehicles. Um, maybe they, you know, these airships and stuff look look fine. Uh, but there was one, and we'll get to it, that basically has the art of a car on it. Right, like a race car. Yeah. Well, like so now I'm playing with wizards and dragons and race cars. Yeah, sort of a dissonance there. A little bit, and you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head of a better word that they could have used to encompass, you know, flying boats, uh, water boats, cars, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they just should have cut out the cars and maybe just call them ship, artifact ship or something. I, I don't know. Um, but that's to me, is the one kind of dissonant thing that I don't love about the flavor of Kaladesh so far. But for the, the card itself, Sky Skiff, uh, I like this. Two mana for a 2-3 flyer is awesome. And my, one of my favorite things about vehicles in Limited is that normally in the late game, your 2-2s, two your little bears that you played on turn two, become terrible, right? They basically exist as chump blockers uh, and don't really do much else. Now they're able to wake up these vehicles, which are great. A lot of them have flying. Uh, a lot of them are a little bit more powerful than their mana cost would be on just like a creature. So I'm really happy with this. And the crew ability... So far, we've seen crew one, two, and three. So you're not going to have to tap like a bunch of creatures unless you want to because you're allowed to over tap. Uh, crew one is just tap a creature and then you get a two, three. Um, it definitely seems like it lends itself toward more aggressive play. 
since if you're tapping down creatures, you're not going to be able to block. But at the same time, in the late game, if you're tapping down creatures, who cares, right? They're not going to do anything anyways on the ground. Yeah. Cool. Um, Our next vehicle is the Oval Chase Dragster. This is one of the ones that does look more like a race car. Yeah. Um, But it is a four-costed 6-1, Trample Haste, Crew 1. So this, to me... I, I think of Impetuous Devils. Uh, red, Red 2, 6 1, Trample Haze, sack it at the end of the turn, and you get to force a creature to block it if you want to, and it was an Eldritch Moon. This card to me is, is very aggressive. Um, you're basically going to want to, I mean, you'll probably get one attack with it, and that's about it because they'll probably jump it. Um, so this basically will be destroy their weakest creature and then deal three or four damage to that player which is fine. It's not super exciting, but if you're in an aggressive strategy, this card is is good. I would play this card to if I'm if I'm being very aggressive and limited. Absolutely. I think it's a it's a big body, pretty scary, and like you said they're going to just chump with something small to make sure it gets off the board. Yep. Again, crew 1, so super easy to activate this. Just tap any of your creatures and you are all set unless it's a hedron crawler. Don't tap a hedron crawler. <laughs> Our next card is Fleet Wheel Cruiser. So this is four for five three. Again, trample haste. When Fleet Wheel Cruiser enters the battlefield, it becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. Crew two. Uh, so this is really nice because it comes down, can immediately swing. You don't have to tap down any of your creatures to start using it right away. And the the three toughness I think is a little bit significant. It's gonna at least survive the bears, but you know, still pretty pretty aggressively slanted card. Yeah, I think of this as being similar to, and I, I wish I could remember its name. I think it's something brute, um, but it's it was in Dragons of Tarkir or Fate Reforged, and it had dash, and it was red three for dash, and it was a five four, and um, it was a great curve topper for the really aggressive red black aggro deck um, that had a lot of dash creatures in it. And I think this fills a similar role. I think that if I'm in a really low to the ground aggressive shell, then playing this on turn four or five, getting in for some damage the turn you play it, uh, because it is hasty and it, you know, pretty much guaranteed to get something through since it is trample. This is great. Again, I think of this more along the lines um, of a burn spell like Impetuous Devils or the six one that we had than I do as a creature that's going to stick around and like block, for example. Sure. Um, this has crew too, so it's a little harder to turn on. But then the, the great thing is I don't think the crew will often be relevant. I think you'll play it, swing, and deal some damage. Um, if it's on an empty board, then it's kind of a hovering threat that your opponent has to watch out for, right? You don't want to uh, tap out all the way or that five damage is going to come back and hit you in the face. Yeah. Our last vehicle is by far the most exciting. It is a mythic. This is Sky Sovereign Console Flagship. Uh, five for six five legendary artifact vehicle flying whenever sky sovereign console flagship enters the battlefield or attacks it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker in opponent controls crew three i like it like it a lot it is a flying inferno titan and inferno titan was busted um this card is obviously limited it's a bomb um, but uh, it's just it generally great. Like I could see certainly uh, considering this as a top end in some standard decks. Uh, I mean, you get to swing with it and kill a creature 
and probably if they have a planeswalker it's a great way to attack planeswalkers right you can uh, because it, i mean it has six power and it's flying which means that uh, you can split up this damage however you want. You can deal three to the Planeswalker and hit the player for six. You can hit the Planeswalker for six. You can deal three to a creature. You can, uh, like, it's so flexible. Um, and, yeah, crew three is, like, it might sound high, but that's, like, you know, if you're in a ground stall, and we've seen standard devolve into ground stalls because of the prevalence of two threes, crew three is tap a tireless tracker. Yeah. I'm happy to tap a tireless tracker and then swing for six in the air and blow something up. Absolutely. Um, I think the repeatable three damage is excellent. It can't target players. That's important. Yeah, it is important, but I, I don't think it's a huge downside because, I mean, so the Planeswalkers we have right now, Sahili, who we'll get to later, and Liliana, both come in with three loyalty. So dealing three damage to a planeswalker is very significant and um and the flying like this just beats almost everything else we have in the air right now it beats uh gisella it beats the front side of avacyn it trades with the back side of avacyn um, trades with linvala yep trades with linvala it beats the linvala angel um it's it's very powerful it's clearly very powerful and five mana for this is competitive yeah. um I think six would have been meh. Five is, this, I think, the right spot for this. Four is way too good. I like the idea of going turn four, you know, play a Gideon, how you have your little knight guy, and then turn five, you play this flagship, and then the next turn you get to start swinging with it. Um, it's, it's pretty sweet. And in that one turn that you can't swing with it, you know, if you want to be more defensive, hold up a creature because then you get to block with it, right? You can crew on your opponent's turn and block with a giant 6-5. Absolutely. And when it enters the battlefield, like, right, you pay five mana on turn five, you can kind of buy yourself a little more time because you get to kill a creature when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, it is nice that it does have that ETB. So there's there's some value even if you can't crew right away or if, you know, they blow it up. You, you got something out of it. Yeah, I very much look forward to my opponent having their Liliana on seven. <laughs> Me casting it, bringing it down to four, they take up to five, then it dies the next turn to my giant airship. Yep. Pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so that takes us kind of into uh, our next category, which is the pilots, right? right? So we have two pilots so far. I like, again, how they did this. I think that having any creature be able to crew it a vehicle, but having pilots be able to give that vehicle some kind of advantage or that player some kind of advantage is awesome. And super flavorful. This is just, it's so intuitive, it's so clean, um, and it's just really fun. Like, I think people could really get behind pilots. Did so, you want to do, you want to be a pilot? You want to fly a... I want to have a favorite pilot and then have a whole crew behind them. It's, I don't know, it's oh, very that's, cool. That's funny. Um, so, Speedway Fanatic is red 1 for a 2-1 with haste, and whenever it crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains haste until end of turn. What do you think of this? Definitely goes in an aggressive red shell. I think the two power is important because we've seen sort of the low crew cost, right? One, two, maybe three for the biggest one. So this could probably crew a vehicle all by itself. You know, two for two, one, not super exciting. Haste, good. Helps a little. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's not overwhelming. It's not. Yeah. I My, my kind of nitpick at this guy is that if I'm playing, so like ideally you want to play this in some kind of aggressive shell, right? Absolutely. And if you do, and you're including vehicles in that shell, we've seen that a bunch of the vehicles that are more aggressive have haste. Sure. 
so I don't know that like I that need this anything. that he adds anything, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I don't have super high hopes for him, but you know, cool flavor. Yep. This next pilot is a lot more exciting. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Uh, this is Depala. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Pilot Exemplar, uh, and she is an exemplar. Uh, she costs white red one for a three three, which first of all that body is fine, right? Three three uh, for three is solid, and that's fine and standard. Uh, that beats most of the annoying little two threes running around. Absolutely. Um, other dwarves you control get plus one plus one. Tapala is a dwarf, uh, so this is hinting that maybe we're going to have some dwarf tribal synergies, which would be interesting to see. It's been a long time since we've had dwarves in Magic. Yeah. Um, and each vehicle you control gets plus one plus one as long as it is a creature. Also, very good. These vehicles are already pretty aggressively costed because they're not always creatures, right? So you can afford to give them a little bit extra edge on the power and toughness category. And giving them an additional plus one plus one, I like it. Um, and then the, the thing that really puts her over the top is whenever Depala Pilot Exemplar becomes tapped, you may pay X. If you do, reveal the top X cards of your library, put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is awesome, okay? In the, you know, if, if you're playing like a tribal dwarf thing, she's a, a lord, right? Plus one plus one, great. If you're in a vehicle deck, Cool, you get to pump your vehicles, awesome. In the late game, Depala is a fantastic mana sink. I would love to pay X mana, like the top X cards of my library, look and take like presumably what my deck is built around. So I'm gonna have several hits off of this if I built my deck correctly. I get to draw all those cards and also I have a vehicle that now she is piloting. Yeah, um, she could pilot the flagship all by herself, right? She's three power. And then the flagship is singing, swinging for seven. Seven, six. I mean, that's, it's, she's going to be very good in a deck that is built around vehicles and potentially um, dwarfs. Yeah. And, you know, again, we haven't seen enough cards to know whether that kind of a deck is even a possibility in standard. But in this hypothetical deck, should it exist, it would be very, very good. Um, in fact, I would be, if I'm running a dwarf tribal deck, I would include some vehicles probably just to turn on Depala. Um, you can certainly turn her on via attacking because it's just when she becomes tapped. Um, but it, vehicles are, are just a nice addition, I think, because you can also hit them off of Depala's ability. Yeah. Well, what I love about pilots is they, they can swing in their own right, but that you can get their benefit without putting them in danger, right? You don't have to put them into combat to get that tap effect. Right. Something like this is what we really needed back when Inspired was a mechanic in Born of the Gods. Yes. Right? Inspired was like, you know, there were a couple of creatures that let you tap other creatures you control, and that way when you untap, you get the Inspired benefit. But this would have just been so much better. I mean, Inspired would be fantastic. If they put Inspired in the next set, um, that would be so fun, right? You just tap everything with your own vehicles. You're opening yourself up to attacks, but then untap, and you get all these benefits. Yeah. Although they did... Uh, say that inspired was a poorly received mechanic um, and i think part of that was because of the context in which they put it in yeah um, but it probably will not be coming back too bad well now we move we finished up with the pilot so we move into the last mechanic which is the third and final mechanic of kaladesh Ooh, which is so exciting energy and we did predict energy correctly in our first episode uh, to be fair we we looked at a you know 
we looked at the online forums where people were speculating a couple of options and we, we saw this prediction, um, but we were pretty sure this prediction was the right one given that um, mechanic E, mechanic Q, right? The letters stand for symbols. So E energy makes sense. And how do you, do you uh, implement energy flavorfully? This seems like the best way to do it. Um, I think this mechanic has a ton of design space. Absolutely. Okay? Because we've had really two resources in Magic's history, right? We've had mana, which is the primary one, and we've had life, because you can pay life to do things, right? Usually that's black, but still, life's a resource. We've had a couple of other situational resources, like plus one, plus one counters. Um, either Obzon or Dramoka clan uh, had that kind of plus one, plus one counters matter tribal, where creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters on them gain flying and things like that. And back in Meriden, we had charge counters, and there were some cards that allowed you to remove charge counters from among permanents you control to get some kind of ability. But all those things, like, they serve other purposes. Energy's only purpose is to be a resource, like mana. Only purpose is to be a resource. Which means that anything we could have done with mana so far, we can now do with energy. So now we can say, okay, uh, we can activate abilities with energy, we can cast spells with energy, we can kick spells with energy, we can use energy as a marker and say, oh, if you control four or more energy counters, creatures you control gain flying. You can uh, use it as, um, it's just so much, so many possibilities, right? I think this is a super cool mechanic. Yeah, I, I think it's super exciting. Um, what makes it really fun and different from mana is that it doesn't empty and it doesn't replenish automatically. So mana, right, you sort of expect one land-ish per turn until you know you get to the late game. Um, and every turn you get to spend your mana and it comes back next turn energy, you have to build to get it. And once you spend it, you have to build it up again. So I think it's super cool. It's, it's just going to be a very different resource when you use it. It's a bigger deal. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of power level they establish for this, because we saw in their presentation, they had energy economy and they said, oh, one energy represents two damage, two energy represents plus one plus one counter and so on. But this is something that is kind of unprecedented. And there's a chance that development may be messed up and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe this mechanic will actually be a lot better than they thought. And maybe it has some broken potential. Well, we'll have to see. Um, it you know it's really easy to break mana. They break mana all the time. We've seen that. All of their broken mechanics are cost reduction mechanics. So this is another resource that could be abused. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they go about doing that and how easy it is to get energy. I think that'll be interesting as well and how much they cost things. It's just going to be really interesting to look at. Yeah. So far it does seem, and we'll look at these cards more closely, but it does seem like energy is sort of slow to build up like you can get it consistently but you're not going to get six energy in one turn sure sure so our first card we're going to look at for energy is called architect of the untamed it costs green two whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control you get an energy counter and if you pay eight energy counters create a six six colorless beast artifact creature token and um architect is a two three i think this card is one of the better energy cards that we've seen so far. Um, I think that being a 2-3, we've talked a lot about 2-3s. I think being a 2-3 is good, at least in the current standard format, right? It's able to sit there and it can block Duskwatch, it can block Reflector Mage, it can... It can block Unpumped Sylvan Advocate. Exactly. It, you know, it, it will stay on the board for a little bit. 
And it basically, landfall being a condition to get energy, I think is great. We've seen, you know, tireless tracker, three mana, three, two, landfall, get a clue is awesome. And to be fair, tireless tracker also gets really huge. And I think that tireless tracker would have been fine without the plus and plus one counter ability as well. Um, but, you know, they stapled that on and now it's even better. Uh, so I think this is a tireless tracker-like card where this will be a common way for green decks to fuel their energy needs if they are into energy. I view the second ability as purely icing, frosting on the cake. I think that in the late game, maybe this ends up being your kind of out in some scenario, but I don't think this is the reason you play the card. I think you play the card for the first ability, which is the landfall. Yeah, agreed. Getting a 6-6 six, six beast artifact token it doesn't have trample it doesn't have it, it's not super exciting but in the late game if you need an energy sink if you need bodies this is a perfectly good and eight energy is a lot it sounds like a lot based but... on what we've seen right yeah eight you lands know. but you never know what part of your deck you draw there are probably circumstances where you want it but i think you're right to call it icing on the cake you're not playing this card for that ability but it could come up that you would want to use it sure uh, let's look at some other examples of how they implement energy mechanics. So Aetherstorm Rock is white, white, two for a 3-3 three, three flying. Whenever Aetherstorm Rock or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get an energy counter. Whenever Aetherstorm Rock attacks, you may pay two energy. If you do, put a plus and plus one counter on it and tap up to one target creature defending player controls. So this is a, another pretty reasonable way to get energy right creatures entering the battlefield sure i i don't think this card is as competitive and constructed it makes me think of nibbles of frost which hasn't seen competitive play um, it's nibbles of frost is also four mana also a three three flying it has prowess and whenever you cast an instant sorcery you get to tap down a creature your opponent controls and it doesn't tap next turn so i think the parallels are pretty close between these um, also, like, four mana is a spot where there's a lot of competition right now. If yeah, I'm paying white-white two for a rock that's a 3-3 three, three flyer that might not do anything, or I could play Gideon, like you said. Gideon is a great option. Gisela is another option, 4-3 first strike flying, and, you know, whatever. So I, I'm not, I don't know, I think it's a, you know, another interesting condition to look at. Um, I doubt the second ability will come up a ton. I think if you play this, it's probably for the first ability, but... You know, even that I don't think is great. Next up is the kind of flashiest of the energy cards. Uh, in that I think it's, this is a mythic, right? It is um, a mythic and it is a legendary artifact. Yeah. So this is a four-costed legendary artifact whenever... What is it named? Oh, Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah. Whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get an energy counter. Tap... Pay six energy. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a card from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So again, I think we should split it up. Look at the energy getting and the energy using mechanics. Yeah. Uh, it's This is an interesting card. Four mana is not a lot, right? And it's not a creature, so you can't really interact with it. Although I'm sure we'll have artifact destruction, but still hard to interact with than a creature. And I could see this being played for the first ability in a shell where, you know, if uh, Nantuka Husk rotates and they replace it with some other free sack outlet, 
Um, I could see it being played in a, an aristocrat-style deck where you are sacking your board and getting a bunch of energy, um, but there has to be some kind of a payoff. Because in that deck, I, I don't want to use the second ability, right? If I'm an aristocrat's deck, I have a bunch of two-mana spells that want to die, so I'm not going to be like, oh, yes, I got all this energy. Now let me look at the top six and cast the Zulaport Cutthroat for free. Right. Not exciting. Super underwhelming. Um, but... The other way that the first ability could work, it is just whenever a permanent you control is put into the graveyard. So this counts for Planeswalkers. It counts for Clues. Clues, I think, is relevant so, with Tireless Tracker. Yeah, I was going to say, in a Tireless Tracker deck, this could be pretty easy to... An easy way to get a lot of energy. Yeah. My concern with this card is um, it, it, it doesn't... It's like card disadvantage, right? You know what I mean? Like... You have to you will have to want to do something pretty good with energy to merit spending four mana and a card on something that just sits there and doesn't do anything. Sure. Right. Uh, or doesn't impact the board in some way because it doesn't impact the board until you get its second ability. Right. And the second ability, look at the top six and you get to cast something. That's pretty sweet. And there's some creatures in the format with some pretty good cast triggers. <laughs> Emrakul. Elder Deep Fiend. Ishkana, right? There's Mind a lot. Mindbender. So if they could, you know, if you can find a way to kind of incorporate energy into a some kind of a Delirium deck, right, which is running a lot of these cards, uh, that second ability looks a lot better. Right. But I also doubt that that kind of deck wants to use the first ability as a means to produce energy. It feels like there's probably a better option for that deck. So it's kind of awkward because it feels like there's not a shell that wants both of those abilities at the same time you want one or the other um, but you know we'll have to wait and see and figure out kind of where how good energy is and what kind of payoffs there are for it right um, i think so one thing that we haven't talked about yet was uh, something they mentioned in the panel which is a lot of these energy cards are meant to be self-contained almost every card that uses energy has some way to create energy um, but as we're sort of pointing out the way that you get energy from a card may not be the one that you want to use the payoff. Um, yeah, or vice versa. Right. So mixing and matching the different energy cards will be will be an interesting part of building these decks. Yeah, I think deck construction is going to be very hard, um, yeah. at, at least at first, as we try to evaluate how good energy is, what ways we have of producing it, and what ways are good and realistic, and then what payoffs are actually worth it. Yeah. So now we move uh, on from energy, and we're going to look at a couple of the draft cards. So start your engines, red three sorcery. Vehicles you control become artifact creatures till end of turn. Creatures you control get plus two plus O till end of turn. To me, this is just a, a slate variation on the card we get in every set, which is the red two plus two plus O to your team. I think this is fine. I think that you, know, you might play this in a draft deck. If you have vehicles, it gets better. But I have a hard time imagining that the the vehicle component, uh, paying an extra mana for the vehicle component of this card makes it really very good. Yeah, I agree. It, at parity, could win you the game, but uh, it doesn't give your creatures trample or anything to get through even, so it's... Yeah, these cards are always... They always either win you the game or just sit in your hand and do nothing. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, let's treat it, treat it the same as you have in the past. Um, next card we've got is Furious Reprisal. This is red three for two damage to each of up to two target creatures and or players, and it is a sorcery, not an instant. Uh, as most of these cards do, Chandra is in the art, and she's lighting stuff on fire. <laughs> um, 
this card I like. I think this is good. Um, it's probably going to kill at least one creature. Um, often you'll be able to kill two creatures with this, especially if you cast it post-combat and there's already some damage marked on. Um, and if you can't, you know, you blow up a creature and you get to deal two to your opponent, it, it's fine. Yeah, four for four total damage is fair. Decent rate. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Aether uh, Trade Winds, which I actually really like this card. Uh, yeah. This is blue two, instant. Uh, return target permanent you control and target permanent you don't control to their owner's hands. This, to me, is a great blue card. Uh, it's very, very tricky. Um, it serves a whole bunch of different purposes. It's very flexible. You get to remove a blocker, get a blocker out of the way. You can, if they double block you, you can blow them out. You can uh, basically use this as a counter spell and counter their removal and bounce a creature to your hand. It just seems really flexible. It's an instant. This is the kind of card I really like. It gives you a lot of options and it lets you kind of control combat and the board state um, to some degree uh, and give you some... Uh, it's, it's just a good card. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and one thing you didn't mention, you can re-trigger your ETBs. Absolutely. You get to e re-trigger your enter the battlefields and uh, that means you get to re-trigger your fabricates as well, right? Absolutely. Um, of course, nowhere near as good as Eldrazi Displacer for enter the battlefield effects. Few cards are as good as Eldrazi <laughs> Displacer for ETB effects. That, uh, <laughs> that card is so good. Yeah. And so fun to play. I love that card. Cool. So that's either trade wins. Um, now we move on to some of the competitive uh, constructed cards that I think uh, we think we'll see play in, in standard. Um, so we have Skyship Stalker here, which is a our, our dragon, latest dragon, in the vein of the Thundermaw, Hellkite, Stormbreath Dragon, Thunderbreak region, aggressively costed, fast, powerful dragons. So this is Red Red 2 for a 3-3 with flying. And you get to pay red to either give it plus one plus oh till end of turn, give it first strike till end of turn, give it haste till end of turn. This is a great, great set of abilities for a four mana flying three three. You get to play this on turn five and it's a hasty three damage. You get to play it in the really late game and use it as a mana sink and just pump your red mana in and it becomes a seven damage fireball hasty, right? Um, it gets to beat almost anything in combat that's flying. It can beat Gisela. Well, I guess it trades with Gisela. It can beat anything if you have enough mana. Well, it, it trades with Gisela because Gisela also uh, has first, first strike. strike. Mm. But it beats Avacyn. It beats these vehicles we're seeing. Uh, as long as you have enough mana to pump it and give it first strike, um, it's great. This is the kind of card that uh, aggressive red decks uh, would really like as a curve topper to top it off. Even mid-range decks. Like in a red-green monster style deck, this is this is a great card. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to playing with this one. Um, next, we have Gonti, Lord of Luxury. This is a little weird, a little bit of a weird one. It's a black, black two for a two, three death touch. When Gonti enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of target opponent's library, exile one of them face down, then put the rest on the bottom of that library in a random order. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it, you may cast it, and you may spend mana as though it were a mana of any type to cast it. It's weird that you're looking at your opponent's library. Like, th this feels like there's a lot of variables at play, right? You're looking at four cards, so it's a little bit better than an anticipate. You are probably going to hit something that you want to cast. It, it is an enter the battlefield effect, so it's nice that right away you do get that value. And then 
it's death touch, so it'll probably take out a creature. So you can think of it as four mana for kill a creature that you sort of have some choice about and cast some card that your opponent has. Yeah, it's a it's basically a really iffy two for one. Yeah. Right. First of all, four mana for a two three body is not great. No. It's just it's just not that good. We said oh, the okay. death touch and the kind of night veil specter effect that's kind of like an anticipate on your opponent are fine like they're both ways that you can kind of get a card out of it but the death touch is really conditional and then the night veil specter look at your cards effect is also like they might just not have anything good like it'll be better on average than just drawing a card but that doesn't mean that it will be very good I yeah. think this guy is is probably not going to see a ton of play. Just I, I just think it's a little bit too expensive, and each of the abilities individually are not quite strong enough. Yep. But you know, it, it is kind of a two for one, so maybe maybe we'll see. It's competing with Kalidus as well in the four drop slot. So. Sure. And unlike Kalidus, it does do something right away the turn it comes down. Right. Whereas Kalidus doesn't, unless you play it turn five to then fiery impulse or whatever. Right. All right, our next card is uh, a personal favorite of mine as a green connoisseur, uh, Verderus Gearhulk. Not even going to try to pronounce that one. (laughs) I'll just call it Gearhulk. Uh, Green, green, three for a four, four trample. When Verderus Gearhulk enters the battlefield, distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control. So I know this is not the best use of it, but... What I think is the most fun use is <laughs> five for an eight-eight trample. That's just huge. Yeah. So I think that the five for this eight-eight trample is the worst mode. Um, I think that in the past we've seen cards like Colonial uh, Colonian Hydra, right, which do similar things. They're five mana for really big stuff with trample, and it's never very good. I think where the potential of this card lies is in its ability to put counters on other things. Because let's say you have a 1-1 servo creature token. A 1-1 realistically like, is hardly even a card, right? It's not really worth a card. It's not really going to do anything except jump block, especially without flying. What this does is this is almost 5 mana for a 4-4 trample and a 5-5. Yeah. That sounds pretty good to me. Additionally, this could be... Uh, you know, you could play turn three or four Sky Spawner, turn three or four, uh, whatever that white card was in, in Limited, that is the 2-1 flyer, and then curve it into this, and all of a sudden your uh, 2-1 Eldrazi Sky Spawner becomes a 6-5 Eldrazi Sky Spawner. Uh, that's, that's really good. That's a giant body. That beats most, again, most flyers in combat. So this card, I mean, it's definitely a bomb in Limited, but I think this card... Uh, unlike a lot of its counterparts in previous formats, might be able to sneak into Constructed. If if you have the right shell where you're getting the flyers early, because I, I do think this combo is the best with flyers. We'll Absolutely. have to see We'll have to see if, if anyone really wants, like, you know, just two pretty decent-sized bodies for five mana um, in, a, in a Constructed shell. Yeah. Next up is actually a key character in the story, Rashmi. So Rashmi, Attorney's Crafted, is green-blue 2 for a 2-3. Legendary creature, Elf Druid. Uh, whenever you cast your first spell each turn, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card with converted mana cost less than that spells, 
you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you don't cast the reveals card, the revealed card, put it into your hand. So uh, this, to me, again, four mana for a two three, is just it's bad. And, and I wish this I want this card to be good. I wish it was good. It reminds me a lot of the is it card from uh, I think Battle for Zendikar, which was red blue one for a two four or one three or something, and it was like. Uh, whenever you cast the second spell of a turn, you get to draw a card. Together, these guys are great. Because together, you get to draw You know, your first two spells. Can't um, but that card also didn't see any play. It's a, To be fair, it's a little harder to get cards off of that one because you need to be casting two spells a turn. Rashmi basically guarantees that it will cantrip your spells, and it also works well with counter spells because it doesn't specify only your turn but also your opponent's. Yet, I just have a hard time convincing myself that a 4-mana 2-3 that doesn't do anything when it comes down, and, you know, if it survives one turn, it will draw you a card, and if it survives two, then we're starting to talk about it being good, but it just it, it just seems not quite good enough. What yeah. do you think? I agree. It's uh, frustrating that it doesn't do anything with the turn it comes down, and even if you play it later and you counter something on your opponent's turn um i want it to be good maybe there's a shell for it um but i I do agree that you can be doing better things for four mana yeah i think like so i'm trying to think if you tried to incorporate this into the current bant shell then like you maybe get to go tireless tracker into Duskwatch, which you get to cast for free um or you get to go you know, Tamiyo into Reflector Mage, which you get to cast for free. Like, there's some good things, but I, I just think on average that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's too fragile to actually, you know, be competitive. Actually, I kind of like you putting it in the Bant shell because Bant tends to clog up the board. It could last for a little bit, and uh, those those sound pretty good to me. Tamiyo into another creature. It's yeah, like but two like, for one. Realistically, I mean, you have to be casting, like, you're going to get the most value off of casting your four drops because then you'll get the three drops for free. If you're casting a three drop, you can hit a four drop or a three drop or a land, right? That's true for even the four drops. You can hit a land. And, you know, it, it, it cantrips, which is nice. That, that the floor of it is kind of, you get to just draw a card. That's nice. Um, but I think if you really want to get something good out of it, you need to be casting the stuff you hit frequently and bant seems like a decent way to do that i still just i don't know i don't i don't love it yeah it's fair so uh next we have whirler maker uh, whirler maker is a three mana artifact that you can pay for and tap it to create a one one colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying i have a soft spot for anything that vaguely resembles bitter blossom right <laughs> so you know we saw that Thopter Spy Network saw a teeny bit of play at the beginning of the format in a blue-white control shell. Um, after Darksteel Citadel rotated, it stopped being playable at all. I think the ability to churn out a 1-1 flyer is like it's just a good ability. And yeah, this is expensive. You know, it's a three mana do nothing, and then you have to pay four to get a 1-1. But as kind of a poor man's bad <laughs> win condition in the control shell, like it's fine. Yeah, I don't love it. I don't even love it as a late game mana sink because it is once per turn. You you have to tap it to use that ability and make one 
one one flyer. It is nice that they're flying. I don't really think of it as a as like a mana sink. Just like in the late game, it's basically you just get a one one flyer every turn, right? Because you have yeah. enough mana that it's just free. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't. I think there's just better win conditions, frankly, uh, yeah. and it probably won't see any play. But in limited, also really really good. Absolutely. I would run one of these in my limited deck, and then you get to you know this is a, how you can close out games. Inventor's Fair is a legendary land at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control three or more artifacts, you gain a life. You can tap it for colorless, and you can pay four, tap it, and sack it to search your library for an artifact card, reveal it, and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library, which you can only activate if you have three or more artifacts. This is just Metalcraft, right? Metalcraft is back, just not in name. Uh, I think that this card is, you know, it's the latest in a long line of utility lands, which make colorless and have decent abilities. I think in standard, if you your mana is flexible enough, including something like this, if you're running a critical mass of artifacts, is great. Um, it's just free life, and in the late game, you get to go fetch up a Sky Sovereign vehicle and, you know, blow them out. And it's great. Um, I think, though, this might find its way into modern. Um, Lantern Control, if it can find a slot for this card, gets to get a little bit extra life, which it is nice and then it also gets to fetch up whatever artifact it needs it can fetch up a combo piece if it needs this pirate spell bomb it gets that um it can get an ensnaring bridge if it needs that or it can just grab another lantern piece if it needs one of those um, affinity which also has a super tight mana base right now if it could find space uh this helps to give it a little bit of a cushion against burn decks or aggro decks um and then it you know lets you fetch up a cranial plating or an etched champion or um you know, a Steel Overseer, whatever you kind of need in, in the situation you're in. So I, yeah, I think it's a good card, um, and I think it'll probably see a little bit of play just because it has a lot of utility. Yep. As long as it's not messing with your mana base, it seems like all upside. I, I completely agree. All right, so on to our last card of the day, uh, and maybe the most exciting card? Or the least exciting card. Or the least exciting card. Sahili Rai, our new Planeswalker, she is red and blue, as we found out earlier, but uh, she is red-blue one for a three-loyalty Planeswalker, plus one scry one. Sahili Rai deals one damage to each opponent, minus two, create a token that's a copy of target artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. That token gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step, and its alt is minus seven. Search your library for up to three artifact cards with different names. Put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. First of all, Sahili is a three-mana Planeswalker. Three-mana Planeswalkers are good. Traditionally, they in the past have been good. Um, we've seen you know Liliana be very good, but all versions of Liliana are three-mana. We've seen uh, Jace Bellerin uh, was very good in standard. Ashiok, uh, certainly like not format-defining, but good. Sahili, though, the, like, the problem we have with her is... So let's look at her plus one. Scry one and deal damage to an opponent. This... Scry is worth half a card. So, like, if you use it twice, it's kind of like you drew a card. And one damage to opponent is fine. It's not good. Like, in the late game, if I want to use this to actually close out a game... I mean, you can't even hit creatures with it. You can't pick off little servos or thopters. You basically, in the late game, are using this to just slowly 
you know, peck your opponent to death. And there's just better ways to win in the late game than by pinging them once each turn. Yeah, it's frustrating that there's no flexibility to choose between creatures and your opponent. And yeah, Scry is just very underwhelming. Absolutely. Um, her minus two, create a token that's a copy of target artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact in addition to their type, and it gains haste, and then you exile it, not sack it. So you don't even get death triggers. You exile it uh, at the end of this, beginning of the next end step. None of the plus one and the minus two, they don't protect her. She can't yeah. protect herself at all. And then it's really awkward because if I'm playing her on turn three, then she needs to be able to protect herself, right? Liliana is such a threat because she basically nullifies one creature and then can just alt herself off. Um, Sahili doesn't protect herself. And if I want to say, okay, well, if I don't want to play her on turn three, then I'm playing her in the late game. Well, if I'm playing her in the late game, there's just way better Planeswalkers. I could play Jace, right? The Unraveler of Secrets. Scry one, draw a card, bounce a creature, but protect himself and card advantage. Um, so in a normal shell, I don't think Sahili is good, uh, which is, you know, I, I feel a little iffy saying that because, you know, people do have a tendency to misevaluate Planeswalkers, but I, I don't think Sahili is very good in a normal shell. I think that Sahili uh, actually could be really good in a combo shell um, where you treat her instead of as a Planeswalker, you treat her as just a three mana clone something, right? And that's not necessarily going to be terrible, and it gains haste, right? So you can clone some kind of creature artifact, re-get its ETB effect, and then swing with it. Um, you could take this and put it in Affinity, right? And in Affinity, you get to clone, uh, clone Cranial Plating. And if you clone Cranial Plating, they're probably just dead that turn. Um, so that's really good. And I think that maybe if there exists a three artifact combo that you can build to with her ultimate, right? Liliana sees play uh, partially because she just ults and like wins the game. Um, but it's much easier to get to her ult because she protects herself, whereas Sealy does not. But if you can find a way to ult her and there are three artifacts that in combination with each other just win the game, then great, you just won, right? But I do think the minus two is gonna be the ability that defines her. Uh, and and uh, I think in a combo shell is might be where where she gets played. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think you're expecting to play her immediately minus. Hopefully, maybe she survives. You plus for a turn and use the minus two again. Yep, I think that's the play pattern we're gonna see where she comes down. You clone something and then you take her back up and clone something again. Or if you're like super safe and you can't win then you know tick her up one more time so you get to take her down and keep her alive and you know whatever right. but I, I i we're gonna see right. we will see and she is good in combination with cards like um ishkana where you're gonna leave bodies behind and you do get to use that spider burn right you pay six deal damage equals the number of spiders you control so we'll see yeah i do think that leaving bodies behind with her would be an ideal use of her kind of hasty clone ability um or if you think you can just play her and like you're a very aggressive deck and you can just clone a really aggressive creature and win that way but um i'm, I'm not optimistic unless someone finds a combo type shell for her because in a normal shell i don't think she's good i don't think control wants her i don't think mid-range wants her i don't think aggro wants her um so that really just leaves combo yeah. So I think that is it for the huge spoiler dump we got from PAX, uh, which, you know, again, part of the reason this was so long, normally we'll have only five to ten cards to review during the week. 
Um, but in the kind of initial hype dump, they're giving us a lot of a lot of cards to look at. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we do have an RSS feed now. We're up on iTunes, and um, I believe our Google Play request is pending approval, so that should be up soon. So if you uh, enjoyed this, please subscribe to us. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you some, uh, you know, as they come out updates and content on the new spoilers from Kaladesh. Uh, so if that is it, then we will see you in a couple of days uh, with new takes on the Kaladesh spoilers. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And this, this is, is Spoiler, spoiler Season. season.